The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and Art Van Furniture and Mattress. And Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome in to a, another edition of Bears All Access. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with my broadcast partner from News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM, Mr. Tom Thayer. Got your appetite a little wetted right there with the boys before you start this part of the show. And uh, good conversation, I'm sure. I heard a little bit on the way in as I was parking the car. And then, uh, of course, we got the renewal of our relationship with Big Jim Miller. Mills, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Happy New Year, guys. Looking forward to it this offseason. Going to be exciting. Obviously, a disappointing finish for, for the year uh, for the Bears. And, hey, the, now comes the offseason. Every bit as important as is in season and how you play on the field, making the right decisions, the acquisitions to to get this team built to to press forward in 2020. So good to be with you guys. Yeah, we, we passed you in the hallway a little bit on, uh, on the TV shows and Fox, so we got to see you a little bit. But I, I was listening to you on the way in. I was hearing the tail end of some conversations about all, all pro talk on your Sirius XM channel while I was parking in the garage. And I hear a conversation here with Tom Thayer, with Dan McNeil and Danny Parkins. So you got a question. Well, no, is, there's a bunch of people calling me today and say, hey, I know you're going to get a chance to talk to Jim Miller tonight. Can you ask him why he didn't vote Lamar Jackson on the all pro team? No, I did. I voted him MVP. Overall better quarterback. I think Russell Wilson is the overall better quarterback right now as they sit uh, today and how they perform. I think Lamar is awesome, but I think he's got a lot of things that, that he can get better at, but he is off to a fantastic start. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people want to take their, their shots and, and do all these things. You know, they made it sound like uh, we had a weekly with Russell Wilson, and that's why I voted for Russell. That is just simply not true. <laughs> I interviewed Lamar Jackson once during training camp, much like I interviewed Lamar Jackson uh, once dur- during training camp. So, there, you know, there's no sinister plot here. Uh, but I think Russell Wilson is the overall better quarterback. I thought Lamar had a great year. Obviously, you know, and I think Pat voted him Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. So it's not a shot at Lamar Jackson. He got no. his share of votes for, for what we selected and why we selected him where we did. That's well, you pretty know good honor, though. So you, how long have you been doing the AP thing? Uh, I'd say it's about six, seven years nice. now. See, awesome. it's not the first time I've been criticized. Remember when Peyton Manning got the – I was the one voter that dissented against Peyton Manning being the MVP. Remember that one? No, Forty, I don't. 49 <laughs> voters. Remember? <laughs> I, cor- I correctly voted him Offensive Player of the Year because that's what he was. Tom Brady should have been the MVP. And if you remember Super Bowl Forty Eight and how Peyton Manning performed, um, it kind of solidified why I voted Tom Brady MVP and not Peyton Manning. The sample size of the quarterbacks, considering Russell Wilson's been doing it at this level for quite a while, and Lamar Jackson is more of burst onto the scenes guy with the help of. Well, look what happened with RG three. Yeah, that's what that was. I was going to make that reference point also. Yeah, so you know, I I feel very comfortable with my vote. So. I think people out there that don't get the vote, obviously they're a little bit jealous knowing where the source is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you, I tell you, we're a little jealous. Eddie Jackson today hit the lottery. And boy, you know, as a fourth round pick, and, you know, according to uh, his uh, agency, he, he gets a, a big money deal that makes him the highest paid safety in the National Football League. And I had, you know, I, you knew Landon Collins had that honor. I think Kevin Byard was close to that, but he just got over the $14.5 million in annual yeah. salary. And that was the key to put it over the top. But how about that for a fourth round pick that suffered a serious injury and is 
uh, college career at the end of his career that probably shoved him down the draft board a little bit, and the Bears picked uh, one of their best picks in years well, right there in Eddie know, Jackson. As a former fourth-round pick, I'm happy for him because it is when you are the, one of those middle-round picks at all, it, it is about your production and how your future is going to be judged going forward. They pick you in the fourth or fifth round because they believe you have ability to cultivate your talent and make it in the NFL. Rarely are we pegged as future starter, future pro bowler. It's about serviceable starter. And I think Eddie has achieved beyond where he was drafted. So I'm happy for him. I don't even consider the finances anymore in football because if you do as an ex-player you're just going to make yourself crazy with envy (laughs) so I admire him for his commitment all I want to see him do now is stay healthy throughout the length of this contract and be productive yeah I think it just reflects the safety market probably no position has been hotter than the safety market look at how many got scooped up in free agency last year Um, you know even guys like Adrian Amos how he moved on to 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 the Green Bay Packers but Landon Collins he lands in in Washington gets a, a big deal and and you're right, Jeff. Think about Eddie Jackson at Alabama. I think it was the broken leg, right? Yeah, the, he yeah. had the broken leg that kind of pushed him down. He probably would have gotten drafted higher because he had, you know, punt return ability and and all those things. But definitely has ball skills, knows where the football is, and in his turnovers, uh, his few years in, in the league already, and already a couple of Pro Bowls under his belt. I mean, very you know, properly compensated when you look at that safety market. As I point, I'm looking at Jeff. Do you know what HaHa Clinton Dick's other options were before he came to the Bears? Because here's a guy, his contract is also up. In last year, did he have multiple choices out there? From- I think, I mean, there was definitely interest in him, obviously. I can't recall which teams it was, but he did say there were other options out there. But the, the pull of Eddie Jackson was significant right. for him as Alabama guys. But he, as he's the first safety to sign in this offseason, he's going to increase everybody else's oh, yeah. number across the board. So the it, starter grades anyway, it will yeah. affect. It, but even even these guys that are starters and there there's a little bit of uncertainty about how, like haha just because he's on a one year deal. I think it still increases what he's going to be able to ask for. Because of yeah, Eddie well, just already elevated. He had a three million dollar one year deal with the Bears this year, and uh, Jim, I, I know he'd like to come back. He, he's he's said it more than once. He'd like to play the rest of his career on the Bears back end with Eddie Jackson, and uh, the whole safety position in general. And now with dime defenses, the Bears saw plenty of those this year. Uh, as many defensive backs at starter grade that you could possibly afford, I say get on your on your defense right now because it, you can be versatile with them. They. Uh, they are great weapons in terms of matchup type defenses and these zone defenses that you know some quarterbacks do struggle with at times. And the safety position in particular, and I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more. You got to have a bad man back there, a baller. And uh, if Eddie fits that category, he's a different type of player. Obviously, he's not the guy that's going to come in and knock your head off every time. That type of safety, but his range, his instincts, his ability to get off the hash, his ability to line up the defense on the back end. Uh, his willingness this year to play closer to the line of scrimmage, and that was how he was deployed with, with uh, Chuck Pagano and his ability to make plays at the line of scrimmage and tackling and so forth. Uh, I, I still think everybody can improve tackling. You can't have you got to have one of those guys if you want to be a contender, Jim. You have to. I mean, well, I think it goes back. I'd say probably the Tyron Matthew draft. Every year, it's gotten more and more for that versatility that you're mentioning, uh, Jeff. You know, even look at you know from Jamal Adams to Derwin James. Just look at the safeties and the impact that they've had. And that's why I bring up Tyron Matthew because he's played slot nickel corner. He's you know as a safety uh, is what he's been. He's been a safety at both spots as a free as a strong. 
uh, at times has to come in to the box, be a blitzer. I mean, they're just asked to do more. Um, and so, again, I think for, for HaHa Clinton-Dix, who's a, who's a great player, he, I thought he played very well for the Chicago Bears, 78 tackles. He has been a ball hawk. He got two interceptions. Again, I think when the Bears signed him, since he's been drafted, he has had the most takeaways, I think, up until you know this year when he joined the Bears from when he's been in the NFL, whether in Green Bay or in Washington. Um, but I think, again, it's got to be at the right price because just talking to Jim Nagy down at the executive director, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, he says we got another good pool of safeties that are coming out this year. So I think again, is you know, will it be at the right price to return to Chicago? And the price is the key because of the salary cap. Now, the move that was reported in the papers this week, Kyle Fuller, uh, you know, agreeing to restructure, and that, that cleared up six million dollars of cap space. So they entering today anyway, they had sixteen million dollars of cap space reportedly. So that was something that was. Important to, to continue that uh, theme in the secondary of keeping that group together as best as possible. You know what I think is going to complicate the Clinton-Dick situation is that Ryan has been able to draft first-year starting safeties in the last couple of drafts and bring in a guy like Eddie Jackson and everybody know that um, Adrian Amos played immediately here. So I think you got a little bit of confidence that maybe you can go out and pluck one of these safety-heavy drafts with a, a rookie in there to compliment a guy like Eddie Jackson. Uh, heck, some GMs, uh, they'll tell you right to your face, you can get safeties in any round, and they don't worry about drafting them high, but I just think they They tell become... you that about guards, yeah. too. It's very unfair. <laughs> it is unfair. Right, Big Jim, good to uh, hear you. Good yeah, to hear you. These guards are in high esteem. That's right, Tom. So get them in don't... there. They need to be uh, thought. Hey, look at Lindstrom. I think he was the highest-rated guard. He went pretty quick last year out of Boston College to the Atlanta Falcons. So. And look at the Hall of Fame right. finalists. A couple guards in there. Steve Hutchinson yep. is one of them. Couple, uh, three safeties, two, four safeties, believe it or not. We'll talk more about that as we break it down. Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the show. This is Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Jeff and Tom and Jim Miller from SiriusXM, moving the change with uh, our good guy, Pat Kerwin. You guys breaking everything down for the playoffs this weekend. Later on the show, we'll take your opinions on that one. How about it, Jim? Yeah, and what's going to be going on. But, you know, uh, one of the blessed... Uh, signings, and I'm not a big free agent guy, so I'm okay if you know you're not investing a ton of money in free agency. That's just my opinion. I know you need to get some to fill some some roles and so forth, and maybe bridge the gap until another draft. But the signing of Cordell Patterson, I was geeked about to begin with because of his returnability. Clearly, one of the best of the decade on the All Decade team. But the 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 benefits of what he brings in terms of being a gunner, I think he's now one of the premier gunners in the league. He's a field flipper, he, he, and if you keep, uh, and I don't know what you're going to do with Sheriff McManus, but you get two guys like that on the edges making plays, first fighting each other to get there first, and then uh, the ability to play offensive football as well. And today he was named to the All-Pro team as a return guy for the fifth time in his career out of seven years. You know, That's you know, awesome. You know what's weird is how we are all introduced to Cordero Patterson through the Minnesota Vikings. And you only got a snippet of exposure to him because they didn't use him very much. But you kind of saw what type of athlete he could be. And then his career kind of expanded with his opportunities, more with the Patriots than, in, than the Vikings or the Raiders. And so 
Then you get a chance to meet the guy and how gracious he is and how much football means to him when he's willing to do anything that's asked of him. He's a great um, he's a he is a really good guy in the locker room to show young guys the work ethic of older, experienced guys that are still making the Pro Bowl and being challenged as their job changes in the special teams. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool, Jeff, because as you mentioned, he gets he gets uh, recognized as a returner on on the first team, and he was recognized at just for special teams overall. Right. You know, like Matt Slater on on the second team. So voters were paying attention. What was it? The the Green Bay game where he got screwed, right? Yeah, they got yes. him for the illegal touching uh, quickly, and that was a legal play. He was right there. I almost exactly got myself in big trouble on that one, Jim. I'm not going to say what I said, but I said something I shouldn't have. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was a legit play. I mean, it, you know, again, just because it looks bad with the the hit, you don't flag the result. You got to know what's going on, and and certainly, uh, Cordero knew exactly that he timed it perfect. And you know, that was that was a big momentum changing play. But his gunner work has been outstanding, and I was glad to see he got recognized today on the second team from that standpoint. And you know, we've had him on the show as well, and he talked about you know, what his position is. And he, he'd like to think he's a running back and he's always been used in that fashion throughout all the way to Tennessee, but just not often enough. Certainly not like he did with the Patriots, but I, I, I know Matt Nagy wants to come up with a better plan for Cordell Patterson okay. offensively. Well, to me, then, then let's interchange two bodies, put, um, put Tariq Cohen on the line of scrimmage exclusively, and then put Cordell Patterson in the backfield more. Because you see what type of effort he gets when he gets to the line of scrimmage and how difficult he is to tackle. He's a big body, but so is Derrick Henry. And you think about Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans going into New England this year, leading the league in rushing. Those big body types can still be a, be as effective as any running back that's out there. Yeah, you got to front him up. I mean, it's hard to tackle him from the side. He runs extremely hard, and I, I'm not arguing that. Maybe maybe running back is the the spot where he needs to be featured even more. And I'm sure, like you said, Matt Nagy, they'll go through all that and they'll sort that out, and maybe that's in the mix for 2020. Jim Miller, Jeff Joniak, and Tom Thayer here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy with Mike, or excuse me, Adam Szynski and Mike Chen, our Engineers here today, our producers helping us out at the facility. First time I've been in here since the season ended, so it's a little different. Uh, studio set up and uh, down the hall, WBBM, so getting acclimated here. But uh, it feels weird. It feels like the season ended for the Bears a month ago, and it was just a weekend ago that they were playing the Minnesota Vikings guys, and it just feels so much has changed already and the instant flip to 2020, which is necessary and, and the changes in the coaching staff and the, and the signings already getting set to set up the salary cap for the free agency period coming up in March, and then certainly the NFL draft. But doesn't it feel a little weird? Feel, oh, it's yeah. Been, it's been a, I, it feels like a month. You know, it feels weird because, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, even though the Bears beat them, it didn't leave you, it didn't leave you with any great feelings because you really knew it was 8-8 eight and eight and there was no playoffs. And then you think going forward, there's a really negative opinion out there of some of the elements of the Bears as an organization team, players. But, you know, that's, that's an obstacle that they're challenged with every single year if you don't go to the playoffs and you don't move on to the Super Bowl. So it's going to be interesting to see how they correct some of the issues that they face. When you think about you know going to the drawing board at the start of the offseason last year, Matt's designing these plays according to the abilities of some players and how they were going to be able to contribute on different areas in the field. And then when you pull those guys off the board and they don't give you any meaningful staff, any meaningful snaps, you lose such a high percentage of what you're trying to accomplish on the field that 
it's it's difficult to be successful. So I think this year it's going to be interesting because just for the tight end position along with J.P. Holtz and Jesper Horstead, I think you have a receiver and a blocker in that position. So maybe that element of the tight end position will be reintroduced to this offense. Yeah, I, I think they're going to exhaustively go through everything uh, on offense. Certainly have already made changes with Juan Castillo, who – Coach Nagy knows well from their times in, in Philly together, uh, I would assume is going to be a part of it to get the run game up and going a little bit better. And, you know, I just think Coach Nagy was right about a lot. I do think the team play hard at, at the end. You know, I think they always give great effort, and I think that's a good sign about the coach. For example, look at another team like Carolina. To me, Ron Rivera was the glue holding that team together, and as soon as they let him go, that team just went by the wayside. Um, and good to see Ron joining the Washington Redskins. But I think the Bears played hard all year long, but you know, I, I don't think they're going to ignore areas that they failed. I, I think Tom just pointed out a couple of them. The tight end position has to be corrected. The offensive line to run the ball uh, more has to be corrected. Mitch Trubisky understanding how to read defenses has to be corrected, and he's got to work harder uh, from that standpoint. You don't question the effort, but uh, the preparation and things that they can do to make themselves better, the, everything I think will be gone through with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah, yeah, a lot of discussion, obviously, about the coaches and, you know, I think the thing that might be lost in this is that we're a first-year head coach for a first-time head coach like Matt Nagy was. Collecting a staff isn't simple. You know you got some guys, but in his position, he was not going to be pulling guys from Kansas City. That was That's that's the agreement that you make with a guy like Andy Reid or, or a team you're coming from to get the permission to talk and so forth. Uh, so he, he, he was introduced to some new guys, obviously, whether he heard them from other guys, got the blessing, and so he brings in Harry, he brings in... Uh, Harry Heastan of the offensive line coach and Mark Helfrich. And, you know, he had to teach them his offense. That's the one thing about this that I've, I've dwelled on the past few days is that the, the coaching staff had to learn the offense. Right. And while that's simpler for a coach, I would assume, than a player right away, you know, there's, there's elements of it that he, they probably were still learning as, as the season went into year two and through year two. So – that's something that has to be talked about when you're talking about changing, making changes on a coaching well, staff. That's a good point because you just think a scheme, right? Yeah. When you think a scheme, whether it's run scheme and what he's bringing from Kansas City, Juan Castillo knows that. Mm-hmm. He knows that scheme, you know. And Harry, you know, Harry, he's standing nothing against uh, Harry, and um, he's a he's a fine coach, and wish him well. Um, I mean, he'll have an opportunity uh, somewhere else, but I think Juan is probably more familiar with the the scheme than say guys that he just met for the first time and what you were explaining. Because Harry, from all I understand, I know Olin Krutz, former guys that have been with him, they love his drill work and and all that stuff. But you know, typically, I would think the offensive line coach is installing your run game. Uh, pretty much every single week. At least a lot of the uh, O-line coaches I've been around, like Bob Wiley when we were in Chicago, he instituted all of our our run game. Our calls, our runs, inside, outside zone run, our power plays. He designed the scheme of it. Yes, and Harry is an outstanding offensive well, line coach. You know There's that, no other way to slice it. You know, real quick, what he's doing. the head coach teaches the position coaches the system, and then the position coaches go and teach the exact of their position specific, whether it's Gilbright, the tight end, Harry, or Mark Helfrich. They're teaching Matt Nagy's system, and then you have to break down how they're being taught. Time for a break here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score back in a few. Hey, Bears fans, get out of the cold and hit the beach in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico with your favorite Bears players. Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, inside the Bears hosts Lawrence Greeden and Spice Adams and Apple Vacations this March. 
Visit applevacations.com slash bears for more info. Always a great trip. Do not put those, your name in there yet. No, because, because I will not be attending this year. Really? Yes, yes. Got a little bit of a complication. Will not be able to join the group, but I can speak glowingly about the journey and the great people from Apple Vacations. Right. And uh, the fans are outstanding. It's a really good time. So if you haven't signed up, you ever, ever never have gone on that journey, when is it? Go and do it. <laughs> it's uh, coming up here in March. Oh. Big time, so it's a good time for for sure. Here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score, Jeff and Tom and Jim Miller. David Montgomery, fellas, and when it all winds up, he finished fourth among the backs and rookies, period, in, in yards from scrimmage. Miles Sanders was number one. Then Josh Jacobs. A.J. Brown at receiver was a budding star. And then David Montgomery. And I I really feel strongly about it, and I've been on record as saying it, and I thought he was going to be a 10-touchdown guy his first year. And if things would have developed offensively like we envisioned, that very much could have happened, whether that's a combo of catches and runs. But I always felt he was a good good goal line back, good inside the 10 back at Iowa State. But I, I just think the sky's the limit still. I, I, there was nothing he did that disappointed me this well, year. Well, you know what? The single biggest area of improvement for the Bears offense is going to be the red zone. So yes. I think David Montgomery can be relied upon for a lot more to be put on his plate, both as a receiver and a rusher next year. But I think his asset is the full length of the field. So, you know, how do you intertwine what you've learned about David Montgomery, his dedication to the sport, his willingness to play week in and week out? See, that's just it, Jim. And you, you've met with him, right? Uh, yeah. Attitude, his desire, his yeah. willingness. And I don't think he's just – it's not just lip smack. It's, no. it's, it's serious to him. And he, the – you know how they always say scouts want to know if the game means something to them, and it definitely means something to David Yeah, Montgomery. he impressed me. I mean, we know about his ability to make guys miss, but sometimes his balance is a lot better than what I thought. Oh, I mean, because he got hit with gym. some awkward positions, yeah. <laughs> but yet it's still strong enough to move forward. So really his strength and balance impressed me more than it went far beyond what I thought he was capable of. It, couple, it really A couple did. of fumbles, and I think it can develop more in the pass game too. Right. I, I just think one of the things going forward for David Montgomery, he has to have more con- a conscious effort to follow the point right. of attack. You know, you don't have to freelance so quickly as a running back in the NFL. If you can understand where the strength of the design of a run play is going to happen, I think that's the thing that will help to benefit him the most to become that heavy four-plus uh, per carry guy. Now, what do you feel, and Jim weigh in too, uh, the philosophy of slow two and through the hole versus just slamming it in there and, you know, and hitting the gas. You know, I, I mean, from I came from an area that when you had the point of attack that was called, that was a point of emphasis every one of those running plays. So the offensive line created the impact. The running back got the extra yards out of the impact we created. So, again, I would when an offensive line is choreographed to put their head in an exact position, their hands in an exact position, try to gain leverage against a defensive lineman where they're going to gain control up to the second level, that's where the offensive running back has to follow because that's where the players, the offensive linemen, the blockers in front of them, including J.P. Holtz, that's where they're going to be put in a position of strength where it's going to benefit these guys. Yeah, and I, I think for him to get a feel, and, and oddly enough, because he didn't do a lot of uh, a lot of it uh, when he was in, you know, at Iowa State, is following a lead fullback. I mm-hmm. kind of liked him in those sets, and I, I do think that is another area that maybe the coaching staff will dive into because even in, in Philadelphia and, and even in Kansas City, they have uh, Sherman there yep. as their fullback. Jim, I'd be all for it. 
put yeah, him in I, there. I, well, one. To, to me, it cleans things up with why you asked the question, Jeff. You know, of getting to the hole quick. Normally, that fullback is dictating. You know, you're you're going opposite his shoulder, say on a lead play, and how the fullback attacks the middle linebacker. That's going to set up the the block and clear the path, and it just really opens things up where you're just reading the fullback and his shoulder and how he blocks the linebacker, and that's going to decide it for you. I mean, and it cleans it up for you. You know, Jim, he he is such a good receiver, too, that if you did have the awareness of the defense having the fear of the running game first, that could open up so many pass reception opportunities for David Montgomery. Take away a little of the abuse of the carries and add it to the element of the quality of receiver he is. Yeah, the, the no questions here. He's got great hands and, and great ability to do that. He's he's going to do nothing but get better, is is my opinion. So, you know, as a veteran of this sport, Tom and Jim, yourself, so do you prefer running schemes that are like that, like you guys I, I just, just described, or, you know, the, the, the one step and the one the cutback to, to, to daylight type of, of running games? Well, I, I, I like to be multiple. You know, I think you can still be an inside zone team, an outside zone team, um, still be a power team. I mean, that that's really all that Baltimore's doing right mm-hmm. now. They just window dress a lot of things. Well, I mean, they, they may be in pistol, but that is a power run. They're running, all they're running is 26 duo, where the guard and the center 26 are 26 duo. Yeah. For those folks out there that don't know what 26 duo is, please tell us. Well, it's where the center and guard, they're doubling up to the backer. It's double, duo, mm-hmm. double. Okay, and and they just run it over and over again from different formations, and they'll run the power play too. Greg Roman is notorious for the power play, even out when he was in San Francisco. They literally ran every personnel grouping and ran 36 power. It's where the left guard pulls and goes up. He decides whether he's going to kick out the, the kick out the end man in the line of scrimmage, or if the tight end takes the end man, now the guard will turn up field and get the first backer inside. Is is all that play is, but they he window dresses it with shifts, formations, motions, but he can run it out of out of you know two tight ends. He can run it out of three wides. He can run it out of uh, four wides. There's nothing that precludes you from doing it, and they're just running a lot of duo. And I think the Bears, you know, I just I'm always a believer in why would you limit yourself? You know, why do you want to go golfing without every club in the bag? I want to be multiple on offense and be able to do everything. Uh, but but it can be simple concepts that you do over and over again, but yet you're you're multiple in terms of what you present. Well, you know, so zone and power running game. You know, the word power is is power. It's so so listen. So outside running plays, outside the shoulder of offensive tackle, outside the shoulder of a tight end, you can use a zone element because you're trying to reach to an area and create a hold of the outside. But when you're talking about running the ball in between the inside shoulder, the right tackle, and inside shoulder, the left tackle, you're not create. You don't create a guessing game for the running back. It better be a point of impact. And no matter where the defenders are in front of you, it's specific to the design that the offensive linemen don't have eyes in the back of their head. They can't guess where the running back is going to go. Again, they're going to create that impact in the defense, and then the running back. We're talking about four yards a carry. We're not talking about David Montgomery. Every time he carries the ball, he bursts through the line of scrimmage and it ends up in a touchdown. You're talking about time-consuming power running game. And when you're talking about running the ball to the interior of the offensive line, you better come off the ball. Yeah, for, for example, for the listeners out there, strictly like an outside zone team, that's the Rams. The Rams are an outside zone team. That's what they historically run. Um, believe it or not, even with Gurley, I mean, they'll run some duo too and, and things like that, but they, they typically are an outside zone running team. 
Um, and Sean, like, uh, who was it? Former NFL offensive line coach Paul Alexander uh, was was breaking it down. Um, say uh, Gary Kubiak, they are an outside zone team for the Minnesota Vikings. Yep, Dalvin like what Dalvin does. Yep, yep, yep. Bears average just 3.7 yards a carry in 2019, 29th in the league. It'll have to improve as they get ready for their next phase of reloading as the offseason commences. Eddie Jackson, reportedly, according to his uh, agency, agreeing to a big contract we talked about at the top of the show. We'll resume that conversation when we come back here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People to get it. Learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, good to be with you again as we begin the 2020 version of Bears All Access with Jim Miller joining us now all the way through uh, training camp, started training camp, and uh, honestly, it's not that far away. <laughs> and we you haven't know, even started the playoffs, honestly. You know, when, so last year when we started Bears All Ask, Access at the conclusion of the season, it was after the double doink and just the mm. horrificness of the Bears in the playoffs and what they thought the future was going to hold. And then you think of the start of Bears All Access this past off season with us, and now you think of where we're at a year. Oh, it's you just know. like George McCaskey was saying, Jim, the other day. Uh, you had that, yeah, the momentum was just arrow up, and it just after that opener, you're kind of like, oh, and it got a little slippery there, and and then they had to fight their way back repeatedly, and you know only managed to get to 500. But and all that stuff, you know, you wonder. You, you put it all together, uh, the 12 wins, the way they lost, the the energy, the, the resolve that they felt they had. When they went to training camp, that they were going to make good and, and turn things around from that That's a kick. Bright spot right there, though. I, I feel pretty good about Eddie Pinero. I know. Oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I, but what I'm saying, though, what I'm saying yeah. was, was it too much for this team? What was was all of this too much for this still pretty young football team to take on all that success and uh, the bounce of the 100? They they were on stage, man. It was a, it was a big spotlight. Yeah, well, expectations from the fans, and certainly, you know, and, and rightfully so. Um, they they wet everybody's mouth to, to how well and the level that, that they were playing. But I think you know, we all know, you got to earn it. You know, you definitely got to earn it every single year. Every season is its own entity. You know, let, when you say, you know, it sounds cliche, but one game at a time. And last year is last year. It truly is last year. And last year already is over for the Bears. Twenty nineteen is over. It's all about twenty twenty. And these guys got to earn it from coaches to players to everybody in the organization that to put your best foot forward, to be committed to what you need to do. Because I think we can we can all say it wasn't just one person, whether it's the quarterback or receivers not running the right route or dropping footballs or not making the right block or missing a tackle. I mean, they. The, I think everybody collectively knows they need to play better individually. And, and I would think expect to. But you got to earn it in order to be able to do that. Who's the biggest underachiever, Cleveland or the Bears? Because when you think of going into the season, there was no more two teams more profiled than the Bears and Cleveland, and they had unrealistic expectations for Cleveland, and they had because of the results of last year. But but that that goes to a a larger issue: is that you know, just like the old you know Washington with Dan Snyder, Washington Redskins every year. You know, your 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 Lions in in the spring and Lambs in autumn. You know, you collect all this talent, but the best talent is not necessarily the best team, and that's been proven over and over and over again. Well, which, which team had more unfair expectations thrust upon them, I Cleveland just, or the you Bears? You know, I, I, I don't think it was unfair for the Bears. 
But yeah. because of the types of players they brought in, the personalities in Cleveland, they are, they automatically assumed the stew was going to be, you know, five-star. Right. I, I, I mean, I that Cleveland, was trouble, yeah. and we knew it. I think it was definitely Cleveland. They're, they're, yeah. The expectations were throughout the roof, and for a first-time head coach, that's a lot to manage. I mean, I think it, it all – and Pat says this on the air all the time. You're being vilified for all the ills of the past. I mean, think about how bad Cleveland. They've been through what now? Ten coaches in in what is it? Thirteen years? Oh no! Here, here. This is this is. I saw this today. So that the Dallas Cowboys, what it appears to be, they'll be making a coaching change, which is seemingly a, not official, but yet official. I don't. I don't know. You know more about it than I do, Jim. But uh, they've had eight head coaches in sixty years. Dallas Cowboys. The Cleveland Browns have had eleven in twenty. You're, you're not. I mean. What are the Steelers? It's just common sense, everybody. It's just there's no way you can keep taking two steps back to go a step. You're never going to climb the mountain. Where the Steelers had three, yeah, three. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, that that's bad for the game. It forget about the team we're talking about. It's bad for the game when you have that. But it fuel fuels the beast a little bit because everybody is wanting it now, and there's no time to waste. Seemingly, but the development of teams. It is a game. To, it's a week-to-week league, let alone a year-to-year league, and all the different machinations going on. Heck, we, we could talk about the Bears roster from here to Kingdom Come. About, I mean, they, there's a group of guys, and I've talked about the guys that needed to take the step. And the first half of the season there was a half a dozen guys or so that I, I had, they didn't. And then the amount of guys that you really got nothing out of offensively in 2019 that all contributes to it, and you just never know how that's going to work. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's a stunning number. Oh, I 11 know. 11 yeah. and 20. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's just weird because of, you know, you think of the, there's the NFL still is a big topic of conversation throughout the offseason. And so the way teams finish or what they're expected to do in the future, it's almost like a guarantee. And then you see Cleveland come out and they beat Baltimore as badly as they did to start the season. Then all of a sudden – I mean, they went right to the top. Well, Jim, it's like you—you you look at this. Okay, the Bears' schedule when it, when you lay it all out, and, and everybody analyzes the schedule right away. If it's easy er or easy or difficult, we could say that we knew the Bears' schedule because of the types of teams and the quarterbacks that you're going to be facing when they were healthy was going to be a challenging schedule. Certainly, the home schedule, and now next year, you're, you're assuming it's easier. It, it not, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, you have five new playoff teams again this year. You don't know which quarterbacks are staying healthy when you face those quarterbacks and who you're beating and who you're not. So it's it's kind of an exercise in futility. Don't you look at it that way? Yeah. No, no you're right because there's you know most likely there's going to be four to five new playoff teams. You know, and look at Green Bay and and we knew the quarterback w- was good, but how they their roster was built because you know I personally I, I think Green Bay is you know they they just played more efficient. They're really not ranked high offensively or defensively for a first-year head coach. I think they're opportunistic and they get turnovers. But, I, I mean, just in sheer talent, I like their pass rushers, but I don't, I don't think that roster is is typically, you know, star-studded. You know, they're bringing along young players that they're developing. So I think the Bears can have a, a quick turnaround here. I really do. You know, it's about the quarterback taking the next jump, and I think you're right, certain positions have to have an impact next year. Um, and that's what it's about. It's about growing. You know, like you said, how can Cleveland ever grow if they're constantly changing coaches? How can you even instill a culture every two years? Well, yeah, you can't. Well, you well can't this this it. is this is going to be a great example this year. And you think of Detroit because they have the same head coach, but they got coaches jumping ship. 
there. Right. Plus, they fired a bunch of coaches. So you keep the head coach in place, but you're going to bring in a bunch of coaches that are going to coach these players differently. So, you know, you talk about the dysfunction of Cleveland. You talk, you know, and, I'm and talking about... that's a good point, too, Tom, because it's, ha- it's not going to be with free agents. What free agent is going to sign with Detroit when they know it's one and done for Matt Patricia right. and Bob Quinn? Yeah, that's where teams find themselves in, in real jams from time to time. You mentioned Eddie Pinheiro before I cut you off about five minutes ago. And so the, the final story is 23 of 28. He ranked 16th in the league in field goal accuracy. Um, but he did rebound after that midseason slump. I think yeah. he missed four of eight kicks or whatever, finished 11 of 11 in his final six games and a game winner but, against Denver back in week two. And I feel it was a success. But you're, you're right, but nobody wants to hear that. Why? You know, when when Tabor comes out and says, Adam Vinatieri and even Robbie Gold, they rated out less than 80% their rookie years as kickers. Mm -hmm. They'll probably both go to the Hall of Fame. So Eddie Pinero is right where he needs to be. I mean, but when he's having his struggles, oh, here we go again. And nobody wants to let the guy fight through it and grow. They're ready to make a change. Get a new kicker in here. Sometimes it it takes time. You got to let it grow. You got to let it, you know, mature a little bit and and grow. And maybe it'll be pretty good when it's all said and done. Because I think everybody'd say Robbie Gold and and Adam Vinatieri, unfortunately, had the year with the knee, but pretty good over his NFL. You know, career. sometimes the attitude about the kicker is a reflection because the red zone offense of the Bears was so poor yeah. that now you're walking out Eddie Pinero to kick a short field goal instead of what you really want. You want the Bears celebrating in the end zone. Yeah. And Matt even said it coming out at second half to start the Minnesota game to Mark Grody. Is field goals don't win games. So A note about that injury period with the knee. He only missed one of his ten field goals with battling through that. So for a young kicker who's never been hurt before, you know, and we know how kickers can be, that was a big mental hurdle to climb. We'll pick it up on the other side of this break. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And welcome back to the program. You can help deserving families by donating a gently used winter coat to the Chicago Bears Jewel Osco Coat Drive at the participating Jewel Osco locations right now through February 28th. Donations benefiting the Salvation Army. Always a big cause for the Chicago Bears. Oh, Tony Midland and the crew. Yeah, when they first started the coat drive when I was a player for the Bears and you think of seeing how, how long it's been going and how many coats they've been able to distribute to the people here in the Chicagoland area, it, it is an awesome event. It should be it should be NFL-wide. Every NFL team should have a coat drive of some Yeah, and type. it extends all the way through the bottom of February, uh, right up to the Combine, as uh, Jim and I will get ready for that here in a short period of time. You already doing your homework, my friend? Getting ready. Senior Bowl comes first. So yeah, when is that? Uh, that'll be the game's January 25th, but oh, okay. we'll be down there the 19th, yeah, leading up there. So, obviously, Cincinnati and the Lions will be coaching in that uh, tonight. Supposedly, hey, the, the Who, How could the Lions do it with no coaches? <laughs> well, they better, I'm sure they'll they get, get on the move pretty quick. Yeah, you know that would be that would really be unfair to some of the seniors oh. that need to be coached oh, yeah. um, by uh, you know a quality NFL personnel in order to get the best out of themselves because that is a big judgment day for a lot of those guys, no, no doubt. And uh, I'm sure th- they'll probably have guys in place by by then. And you know, here the Chicago there, and there's a couple of good ones out there. Bill Callahan, him getting released by Washington. I don't, I don't know your thoughts on him, Tom. I think he's a hell of an offensive line coach. I agree with you, Jim. I'm. I'm surprised, Ron. I'm sure he's got a handful of ex-staff members he'll probably bring along with him just because they're comfortable with each other. But, you know, I, you know, if you're a new head coach coming into a team where you're going to get rid of, you know, that he was the interim head, interim head coach after they got rid of Jay Gruden, 
I don't know if the dynamics are there, but I think Bill Callahan is a is a heck of an offensive line coach. I heard he's interviewing Scott Turner as offensive yes. coordinator, huh? Mm-hmm. Out yeah. of the Turner family, uh, familiarity, obviously, and that's uh, in large part. Sometimes that's how you build your coaching staff: familiarity as uh, they get ready to reload there in Washington. All right, uh, news of the day: Eddie Jackson uh, getting a contract extension. His agency uh, putting it all over Twitter today. It's the highest paid. Safety in the NFL now, and we talked about it at the top of the program. We'll, we'll wind it home here and talk about it again. And just how it sets up the Bears in their free agent search as well as they work with the, the limitations of the salary cap because of the types of salaries they have. They already restructured Kyle Fuller and made uh, that deal more friendly for them in terms of the cap. Maybe there's more. Uh, and then, you know, I would guess that, you know, Allen Robinson might be one of these guys. Those are the first two guys you thought of it in free agency for the Bears, and that's maybe where the bulk of the money will go with their own free agents. Well, you know, Allen Robinson is probably the MVP of the team this year when you look at what he was able to accomplish. And, you know, there are some hiccups in the offense throughout the year, whether it's, you know, Chase Daniels starting at quarterback, the injury to Mitchell Trubisky, the overall development of the offense. So I think Allen Robinson is another guy that he he shows – his leadership value by the way he conducts himself. He's not a guy that's asking for all the cameras to be pointing at him to look at me when I come out to warm up for pregame. It's more he leads by example rather than just trying to be attracted to the cameras. Yeah, I think it always starts first resigning your own. Um, certainly, you know, again, it's got to, the, the dollars and cents have to to work out. And sometimes, you know, it, it's the business side of it. You know, remember when Kyle Fuller, they the Bears let him go shop his wares, and ultimately he returned uh, to Chicago. Um, that could happen to a couple of the Bears, you know, whether it's Kwiatkowski or Trevathan or the linebackers that potentially uh, could be moving on but may be, be, may be able to return here because I do think Kwiatkowski and a couple of those key players, and I like what Pierre Lewis did towards yep. the, the end of the year. They, so those guys are a couple free agents. Yeah, they really did a great job, and that, that leads us into Roquan Smith, who's, who's turned pectoral muscle. It should be uh, available for a return, obviously, to training camp. And you look at a couple of guys, Tom, that you brought up uh, in the break that are coming back hopefully this weekend. Uh, J.J. Watt expected to come back from his pectoral tear. Uh, still leads the team in quarterback pressures despite missing eight games. Well, Roquan Smith. Quan Alexander. Many, no, yeah, Quan Alexander also coming back from a pec injury. But you look at the end of the year, uh, Roquan Smith had 101 tackles, still leading the team in tackles no matter how many games he's missed. But I think you have to really um, – you got to put Roquan Smith as uh, taking a leadership role in this team. He's he's not an introverted guy on the football field. He gets along with his teammates well. He plays as you know solid interior defensive football. So you know Roquan Smith. If they do not sign Danny Trevathan, even though he's a young guy, he's going to have to be in that leadership role along with whomever, whatever other linebackers they do sign. Yeah, you know, he had that hiccup earlier in the year. You know, I think he came back, got refocused, and uh, got his mind right to to play football. And, you know, I I just think that's going to be a blip on the radar screen. I think he is going to show the growth and development to be one of the leaders, and and that may be the case because maybe Roquan would shift over to Trevathan's spot, and if they're able to re-sign Kwiatkowski or Pierre Lewis and one of those guys emerge to keep that depth at the the linebacker spot because, again, I don't think you can afford all of them. I, I really don't. 
So Roquan is going to have to take a much bigger role if, say, a key leader like uh, Danny Trevathan were to be moving on in free agency. And I, I think they're fortunate that Roquan is considered a three-down linebacker, yeah. just like Kevin Pierre-Lewis and, and Nick Witkowski at this point. And I think Nick Witkowski, his study habits are, you know, it benefits him so much that he's a, he's a pre-snap thinker. He can get himself in motion to the right position before the ball's ever snapped. You see evidence of it. But, you know, even if they didn't sign Danny Trevathan, there would be a lot more pressure on Nick Witkowski because you really didn't know to consider him a starter until he got the Trevathan injury opportunity. And then he probably performed at a higher level considering the blitz against Dalvin Cook, a blitz against an offensive guard in the Packers, and – yeah, the interception, interception. Yeah. safety, Anticip- he made plays. Yeah, the safety, the anticipation on the screen against Minnesota. He's, he's done a lot of big plays. Well, he got dinged on his pass coverage over the years. You know that that was some area, but you know he did a great job of that too. I he, think he can study yeah. himself into being a faster, more competitive pass coverage linebacker. I right, got a couple of minutes left, Jim. Let's uh, let's go through some league wide stuff. So first of all, the Hall of Fame finalists. A shout out to Chicago's very own Bryant Young. Uh, tremendous. Uh, ha- I was honored to. Uh, be at that Chicago Sports Hall of Fame, and he was uh, one of the inductees, and his story and uh, the death of his son was extremely moving, one of the best speeches I've ever heard, and what a great player for the 49ers. But a guy you always bring up, too, Tom, is Sam Mills. Sam Mills, Mills. I played against him in the USFL. I had some unbelievable experiences just because there was a few teams in there. You played against him multiple times. Here was one of the hardest-hitting, most physical, small linebackers I've ever played against. And then to see him go to three years in the USFL and 12 years in the NFL – he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. And you, know, you look at the, you know, Vaughn Johnson, he passed away a couple weeks ago, uh, the interior linebacker that he played along with the New Orleans Saints. Vaughn Johnson was a 6'3", 245-pound inside linebacker. Sam Mills was probably 5'6 and a half. No. Yeah, probably 5'6 and a half, 215 pounds or something. Um, but wow. he was as explosive um, and as courageous as a linebacker as you've you've had a chance to face. The the field mouse. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he's called, yeah. field mouse. That's for that very <laughs> That's reason. right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's st- i got to look that up. That's craziness. Yeah. I didn't think he was that short. But- yes. And then uh, uh, as, an, uh, as an ode to Eddie Jackson getting his big deal, uh, John Lynch, Troy Polamalu, Steve Atwater, Leroy Butler, some of the well, – uh, several of those guys just – Downhill with reckless abandoned type safeties that blew you up, played some great football, and uh, those are the kind of safeties that that you need to win in the National Football League. Agreed, Jim? Uh, Agreed. I wish they all could get in because we could go through all those names and all very worthy, no doubt about that. Well, Jim, we're off and running in 2020. Appreciate you, buddy. 59232 59232 see I knew 5 same 6 same size <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if they're five, calling six. if they're calling 59 and a half if they're calling 59 then they, that means he's 5.58 and a half all right we didn't get into the playoff games but uh in 10 seconds thought tom what do you like tomorrow i'm going bills titans saints seahawks that's the final word for tom Thayer for Adam Tzinski, mike chen jim miller and tom Thayer. i'm jeff joniak this has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.